Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands all across this house as we continue to magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Do you feel that he's there right now? Wherever you're at, no matter what's going on in your world, Jesus is there to show forth his love. Hallelujah. Somebody worship him back. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love him because he first loved us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, somebody worship him for just a few more moments. Thank you, God. Clap your hands and give the Lord a shout of praise. Praise God. Hallelujah. Man, it feels good in the house of the Lord. Love what we feel in this place. If I could have Elder Worley come for just a minute, he's going to share a testimony of what God did for his mother-in-law. Amen. God bless you, Elder. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody want to praise? Hallelujah. Let's just... Let's just spend about 30 seconds here praising God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. We praise you. You may be seated. I bless you. Thursday morning I went into Reno for my brother-in-law's annual uh, Colossus cardiology appointment and uh, they did a small scan on her and then uh, she had what's called AFib and the heart's just not pumping it's it's more fluttering than anything else and so they wanted to admit her at Reno and I said no I, I think I'd like to get her closer to home, so we drove all the way back to Carson, uh, Tosco Carson uh, Regional Medical Center, went to the emergency room, they checked her out, they admitted her. Uh, nothing to fool around with when you're talking about heart. And uh, so she was in there Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, she wanted to come home, and they wouldn't let her because her blood, uh, her heartbeat would go up to 130, 160, uh, and so they said, uh, "We're not going to let you go until your heart rate rate is stable." So uh, we were there, my son, daughter-in-law, and. Uh, me and my wife and brotherhood came in and uh, before he left we prayed for her I didn't expect her to be out get out today because uh, her heartbeat was all over the the race and uh, so uh, we prayed for her and uh, went home let her get some sleep and uh Got a call this morning from the hospital. Said we're discharging her. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I have a God that still heals. I have a God that still loves his children. Amen. I'm going to have a God that still answers prayer. And I'm so glad that I know when, when I'm sick, uh, the first place I go to is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because I... Don't want to say I'm sick and raiding him. I want him to have first chance. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Amen. But I'm so thankful that God moved. And she was she was dreading having to stay there Monday until Monday, Tuesday. And uh, it it's just great to know that we have a God. And God can heal. That's why we pray. That's why we keep on praying for Sister Bobo, because we know God heals. Hallelujah. Amen. It's not when all us fails, call on God. It's call on God and see what God can do first. 
Amen. God bless you. Let's have a church service. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise all across this building. Hallelujah. How many knows we serve a great God who's worthy of all of our praise? We ought to give God our best praise. Hallelujah. We ought to give God a shout of victory and a shout of glory. Our God triumphs and he conquers all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I know it's low-hanging fruit, but, you know, they just recently had the some thing for all the, I don't know what it's, Grammys or whatever. And, and they had a major stage performer dressed like the devil. And CBS tweeted, later deleted it because they realized it was a bad it was a bad idea we're ready to worship true story realized that was not the best thing to post because people don't like that they're being that open the devil is parading and he is wanting worship and today there's people who are going to stand and they're going to in fact right now I'm, I'm so proud of everybody that's in church today praise God because we know who we worship I think we, we know who we worship. We worship the God that still heals, saves, delivers. They're about to go wild. People are going to just dance around and go insane and paint their faces. And people that would say all year long, oh, I'm, they come to church and say, oh, I'm not an emotional person. And yet today, they're about to lose their mind while they're eating nachos. But I want to tell you, we... we we in the church, amen, we better not ever let the world out-worship their God. That's what I love, what I feel around here, because we ain't let nobody out-worship. Because we don't just do this one day a year. We do this day in and day out. Somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to dance. Give God the highest praise. Come on, take a few moments and let hell know our God is worthy of all praise, all glory, and all honor. Hallelujah. No devil's getting my praise. No sports star's getting my praise. No, no singer or artist is getting my praise. No pursuit is getting my praise. No hobby's getting my praise. Jesus is getting my praise. Man, so when people say, I don't think all that worship's necessary, just remind them of halftime. Amen. You want to know why we worship so so wild down here? Brother Diaz, this is just halftime. <laughs> We're just warming up for the time when Jesus comes back. And if you think it's loud on earth when we're praising God, you ought to see us when we get to heaven. Right now, you see, right now, Sister Pam, you're going to praise God with a walker. Right now, you're going to praise God with arthritis. Right now, you're going to praise God with hip pain. Right now, you're going to praise God with back pain. But when you get on the other side and he takes away all pain, if you thought I danced down here, just wait till I ain't got no more pain. If you thought I gave God praise down here, you haven't seen anything. I'm just warming up for when I get to that other that side of heaven and I'm giving God the greatest praise that I couldn't even give him down on earth because I didn't have the strength, because I didn't have the energy. But while I'm on earth, I'm going to give him my best praise. Somebody ought to clap and shout and give God praise. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why I'm proud to be an apostolic. Hallelujah. Because I don't just worship God intellectually. The truth is you can't worship God intellectually. It takes action. That's why every, every single word that talks about praise is an action. Clap. You got to clap. You got to do it. Amen. It's an action. Shout with a voice of triumph. Praise him on the loud sounding cymbals. Praise him on the stringed instruments. It's an action. Man, so I'm glad and proud to be apostolic where we worship God in spirit and in truth. Not just a, well, I worship God in my heart. 
Brother, there's got to be some actuality that takes place in your life where it moves from just the heart. Because when you love something, it should, it should impact you to do more. Amen. Praise God. That's sermon number one. Amen. Let's, at this time, we're going to turn open our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 1. Amen. And we're going to dismiss our Sunday school kids. Amen. And our Sunday school teachers. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. And God bless our Sunday school teachers. Man, it was so good to see these kids up here worshiping God. Out of the mouth of babies, praise is perfected. That's what the Bible says. It's just so pure. Praise God. 2 Kings chapter 5. And beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now Naaman, the captain of the hosts of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Look at all these great qualities, but he had something wrong. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away the captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. Now, now, mind you, it was by the Lord that he got Syria a great victory. Who is that victory over? Over Israel. Just think about that for a minute. God gave, just hear me out, the enemy, an opportunity at victory for one reason. God was going to get glory out of it. Because they came back, and they had a little maid of where? Of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. See, God knows where to place you. Count it not strange when you fall into diverse temptations and struggles and trials. God knows exactly what he's up to. You're being divinely placed by God. Hallelujah. And she said unto her mistress, would to God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. Oh, I wish he was with or near the prophet. For he would recover him of his leprosy. Oh, I just wish, I just wish they knew where they could get their help. Oh, I just wish they knew that they could come into the church and they could be healed. Don't you just wish that sometimes when you think about people? Hallelujah. Oh, I just wish they'd come into these doors and feel what we feel today. Don't you just feel that sometimes? You think about your, your, your co-workers, you think about your neighbors, you think about your family, and you're thinking, oh I, oh, I just wish that they, I wish they could just get in the building and feel what I feel. Skipping down to verse number 9. Some Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot. Notice the pomp and circumstance this guy shows up in. Man, he got spinner rims on. He shows up in his Bentley. Got his nice Gucci watch on. Hey Amen. He's looking sharp, but he's a leper. Dressed it up nice, but he's still got problems. And he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times. And thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I love this right here. This is what gets most of us in trouble. I thought, I thought, I expected different. I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord and strike his hand over the place and recover the leprosy. And he would put out his rod and the waters would part. And I've heard all these stories of grandiose things happening. And I thought that it was going to be more extreme and extravagant. I thought uh, instead of a simple little prayer where they lay hands on your forehead, they were going to shake you, take their coat off, throw it at you, be like Benny Hinn and blow on you. And this was going to heal me, I thought. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Man, what I have back home is better than this. So he turned and went away in a rage 
And his servants came near. Thank God for God-placed people. And spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much rather then, when he saith unto you, wash and be clean. If you'd have been asked to do some incredible great thing, you'd have done it. But because it's so simple, you don't want to do it. Wash and be clean. How simple. And they got through to him. And he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. I'm going to let Nike sponsor this message today, and I'm going to preach you on this subject. Just do it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, just do it. Amen. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him, just do it. Amen. Set down your Bibles and let's lift up our hands and let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Look, Lord, help me to recognize that things in my life that I just need to get into action. I just need to do something about it, God. Help me to recognize the areas where you've spoken to me and you've directed me, where I need to put some feet to my faith today. Oh, God, I'm praying, Lord, that there would be a, a, a revival of action and obedience today in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise before we're seated. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. Naaman was the captain of the host of Syria. The Bible says he was honorable. The Bible says he was a great man. The Bible says he was a servant to his king. It even tells us that he had been used by the one true living God. The Bible declares he was a man of valor. He was wealthy. He had more accolades than we have time to mention. He was, he was up in the upper echelons of his society. He was, he was wealthy. He had it all together. This guy was good. Amen. He's the guy that everybody in Syria wanted to be. Amen. He was invited to all of the highfalutin parties. He was, he was welcomed in all of the high courts. This man was important. Amen. But the Bible says he was a leper. I've talked about that before here, that it does not matter how many good things you've got going in your life. If there's something like leprosy in your life, it undoes all of the good that you got going. Leviticus 14, the Bible tells us that God gave Israel commandment concerning leprosy. Leprosy was so contagious, it could get into the walls of the home. It could get into the clothes. It could get into the people. Leprosy was a contagious disease that affected the nervous system. So, so many people got leprosy wrong. They, they treat leprosy like your fingers fell off. Your fingers didn't fall off. What would happen is it would desensitize you to the place where you wouldn't feel your fingers. And anybody that, that there's, there's conditions out there even now that are like this, where when you can't feel, you overexert yourself. See, pain's a good thing. Pain tells you when you've extended too far. Pain tells you that you need to stop. It, pain is that thing when you put your hand down on the stove, it tells you to take your hand off. The problem with the leper is they become so desensitized that when they put their hand down on the stove or into the fire, they don't pick it back up because they don't realize that they're being burnt right now. Let me tell you, the Bible declares that leprosy is just like a typology of sin. It starts in the home, it starts in the clothes, it starts in this, but eventually it gets into the people. Amen. I want to help somebody here today. When we're talking about sin, sin will start to be in the, in the people group you hang out with. It'll be in the places you go. It'll be in the things you involve yourself in. But sin wants to get into your life. Amen. It wants to get into the individual. And this desensitizing would happen where eventually... They would be, they would break their hand, not realize that they burn themselves, not realize that they get gangrene, and then it would fall off. Amen. This is how sin affects people. They get so involved in sin and let sin take over in their life. The Bible talks about sin as a master. There's people who think, I got it under control. You ever heard this phrase, I can quit anytime I want? My parents told me that. 
and they never quit. They always say, I can quit anytime I want. I just don't want to. And I, I look at them and said, you know, you, you, you're in a trap and you don't realize it. You become desensitized. Amen. You don't realize. You know, the problem with the trap is you don't realize it's a trap until you're in it. The problem with the snare is you don't realize that you're in a snare until it pulls back and it yanks you up by the feet. We don't recognize the, uh, the snares of the adversary and the snares of sin until we've got ourselves all the way in there and it rips up and it pulls us up. This is Israel who went into Egypt just in a time of famine and they thought it's all good until the trap sprang and now they were slaves for 430 years. This is what sin will do in your life is it will show up and it'll start making you feel like it's not that bad, it's not that big of a deal. Amen. It's a trap and it holds on to you and it won't let go. And then it starts to spread. It spreads from this area to your life to that area of your life. There's some people who say, well, no, I've got this. You know, there's people that they, they're, they're, they're drinking and they say, man, i got my drinking under control. I do it on Saturdays. But you watch, all of a sudden, uh, they, they start doing it on Sunday too. And, and then they show up to work late and it starts affecting their job. And now they're drinking Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday as well. And it starts to affect their marriage. And, and they lose their job and they lose their marriage. You know, this is a story as old as time. Amen. What they don't realize is that that leprosy, that sin started spreading into their life. Uh, amen. It, 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 the sin, it uses all of these mediums. But its ultimate desire is to get to your soul. Leprosy, according to the Old Testament... Uh, in, in most people's lives, would be a death sentence. There was no cure known to man. Syria especially did not have a cure. Syria did not have any procedures in place in dealing with lepers. Historically speaking, there is only one nation that has ever had a, a scenario uh, where they knew what to do in case of a leper, and that was the nation of Israel. Syria didn't have procedures in place. They didn't know uh, how, to, how to quarantine. In fact, this man was a leper, and, and according to Jewish law, they'd have put him out. doesn't matter what his title is, what his position is. They'd have put him out into a leper colony. But Syria said, you can just be around the king, be around all the servants, be around everybody else, even though you're in the midst of your condition. Amen. Syria did not have procedure, procedures in dealing with lepers, let alone healing them. But Israel did. God's people had a way to get you right. God's people had a way to get you healed. Let me help us here today. There is nothing in this world that can cure or, or heal or deliver sin in your life. There is nothing in this world. You can't go to any psychiatrist and get it healed. You can't go to any doctor and take a pill and get it healed. You can't go to any bar. You can't go to any event and get sin healed. There's nothing in this world that can fix you, but I want to help somebody. Jesus has the cure. The church has the the cure. The church has got the procedure on how to help you get out of it. The church has got the book on telling you how to be healed of it. The church has got the blood of Jesus that washes all the sins away. We go to baptistry where you get baptized in Jesus' name and all that sin is buried. Oh, somebody ought to give God some praise today. Siri didn't have nothing. But thank the Lord for godly placed people. Because even though this man was a leper, let me help you. When you understand this concept of sin, we can think of it like this. You know, uh, man, I love, I love cheesecake. Praise God. I do. I love cheesecake. You know, I, I, I'll eat just about any kind. I'm no respecter of cheesecake. <laughs> amen. Hey, praise God. I got some brethren in the house that said amen. Hallelujah. But you know... This is what leprosy is like. This is what sin is like. It doesn't matter if it's the greatest thing in the world because this is what Naaman's life was like. It was the best. It was the greatest. Everybody wished they had his money, his fame, his position. Everybody wished they had what he had. They were all lined up to take it. But the Bible says, but he was a leper. That's like me providing your favorite food, but I put a dead rat on top of it. It does not matter how good it was. It has become contaminated. And when you talk about somebody that says, well, I'm a good person, but you got sin in your life that's not dealt with, it doesn't matter how good you stack it up. The moment you put sin in there, it's like a dead rat in the cheesecake. It, 
You need to get it taken care of. You need to get it cleansed. You got to get it healed. And you can't get it healed in this world. You can't get it healed by being a better person. You can't get it healed by the merit system of just doing a little more than your neighbor. You got to come to Israel, honey. You got to go to the prophet, honey. You got to go to church. You got to go to the baptistry. You got to go to Jesus. And this servant girl, she recognized no matter what you do, no matter how great you are, you're a leper. And she recognized, going back to her raising, oh, man, I wish. I wish that you were with the prophet. I wish you would go to church. I wish you would go to the baptistry. I feel that way about people as a pastor. People come to me with their problems. They text me. They call me. We sit down and we meet. We have Bible studies. uh, And the whole time I'm thinking, oh, man, uh, I wish you would just get uh, into the house of the Lord. I I wish you would just come down to the altar. I wish you would just get a hold of Jesus. uh, And he would take care of that whole mess. And I've been with people that cycle through it time and time again. Well, no, I got this going on. I got that going on. And I'm this. I'm doing well here. And I'm doing well there. And the whole time I'm thinking, but you're a leper. Huh? But you got sin in your life. And if you would get to the house of God, we could get that taken care of. If we could get to the water, we would bury that old man. If we could take you to the baptistry, all things would be washed away. All things would be passed away. You'd become a new man. She said, oh. I wish that you would get to Israel. I just wish you would get there. And so finally, he thinks to himself, as many have, I've done everything I can do and nothing is changing and nothing is getting better. So what do I got to do? I have got to go and heed this young girl's advice. And so what does he do? He gathers silver, gold, garments. He thinks he's going to buy this healing. You can't pay for this thing. Listen, when you talk about redemption from sin... You can't pay your way out of it. In fact, there's no amount of money that can pay your way out of sin. And that's why Jesus had to die for you, because he paid the price for your sin. There was no human price that could be paid, so Jesus paid it all. So he shows up with his money, gets his nicest chariot out. He gets his horses groomed. He gets his nicest uh, garment on. He sends an emissary to the king to let him know I'm coming to the area, but I'm not coming for war. I'm coming to go see the prophet. He makes the, the king nervous uh, because the king recognizes this is a man of war. And he, he shows up to the prophet's door. Somebody opens the door of his chariot. They, they set down some steps. They roll out the red carpet all the way to the door of the prophet. He walks out just ready for this man to come and do whatever he bids him to do. And when he gets to the door, he doesn't even knock on the door. He tells one of his servants, you knock on the door. Look at this man. He shows up, sends sends somebody else to knock on the door. And the the prophet, he's probably sitting down eating some cereal. Praise God, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. He's sitting down and eating some peanut butter crunch and... Got to have the word crunch in there if it's not good. Amen. And so he's sitting there, and he looks at his servant. He says, hey, go tell him to wash in the Jordan River seven times. And he proceeds to eat a cereal. And the servant comes out of the door, opens the door, probably didn't even come all the way out. He says, hey. He said, uh, you, you just got to go uh, go wash in the Jordan River seven times. You'll be clean. All right, bye. They go back to eating cereal. And immediately... He is enraged. This simple instruction for Naaman to obey caused him to be enraged. What a blow against Naaman's ego and Naaman's pride. Surely a man of my stature deserves a lot more fanfare than this. Surely somebody as great as me deserves somebody to come out and do this great big show for me to be healed. Surely they're going to set up an entire healing crusade and they're going to bring me up on the stage and they're going to lay hands on me and everybody's going to clap all 30,000 people as I am healed because I am so great and worthy to be healed. How dare he tell me to do something as dirty as putting myself in the filthy Jordan River. If you've ever seen pictures, ever been to the Jordan River, it is one of the nastiest, filthiest. It it, it is dirty. It's not a place you'd ever want to take a bath. It's not a place you wouldn't want to drink the water. You wouldn't want to swim in the water. And he's telling them, you go and you dip yourself seven times. And he's thinking to himself, you didn't even come out to see me. 
think about this for a moment. He got offended by the messenger. He got offended by the message. And he got offended by the methodology. I've come to preach to somebody today. We all get like that sometimes. God will use unlikely messengers that are designed to make us better. God will use a message that we did not want to hear to make us better. And God will use methods that we don't always agree with to make us better. I'm coming for somebody today. Sometimes somebody you don't even like will come by and give you wisdom you need, and you don't want to hear it because you don't like the messenger. I know people that as long as somebody, as long as the pastor comes by and tells them what is right, they'll obey it. But the moment a kid in the church tells them something they need to do, they get up in arms. The moment somebody tells them what is right, they've got a problem with it. But the truth is the message never changed. You just didn't like the messenger, and you just didn't like the methodology. Sometimes... It is the messenger that offends us. We don't like, hey, Ben, there's some folks, they don't like the pastor. That's all right. I, I get it. I get it. I'm with you. I'm in the same boat as you sometimes. I'm, I don't like me when I have to preach some things too. Amen. We don't always like who is telling us something. We don't always like the tone or the phrasing, so we just ignore it altogether. You know, anybody who's married, you know tone is everything. Oh, uh, yeah, I got, uh, I got some grumbling right there. <laughs> Well, the men, we don't think tone is anything. We think message is everything. Well, praise God, amen. Some men help, help me out here. The message is what matters, not my tone. I told you what's true. But, you know, I've had conversations, and we've all had them, where I've said exactly what is true, but I didn't say it in, in, the, in the right tone. And no matter what I was right about, it was ignored altogether. You know, that's what happens when you've got a problem with the messenger. Amen. All of a sudden, I can be preaching a sermon that God has de designated for you. And because you didn't like the way I phrased something, and I'm just using that as an example because we're all in church today. Uh, you can use this in your life. You can use this in your marriage. You can use it wherever you want. Uh, but all of a sudden, you discount everything that God was trying to show you because you didn't like the messenger. Let me help somebody. You know, sometimes we don't like the messenger called pain. We don't like the messenger called discomfort, and God will send messengers our way, and we're thinking, man, God, you should have showed up and just did it right then and there, laid your hands on me. But often God is more interested in the process you go through to be healed than he is the healing itself. God is more interested in the process of getting you healed than he is in you being healed altogether. God is more interested in what you did and what you had to do in order to get to your miracle than he is in the miracle itself. Because the process will make you a better person. The process will make you a better Christian. The process will make you a better husband. The process will make you a better wife. The process will make you a better, amen, saint of God. You've got to go through the process. So many people, they discount it because they don't like the messenger. Sometimes they don't like the message itself. <laughs> Man, you can say it the sweetest way. Oh, you know, I just become real nice. I've done this before. Man, I try everything. I try to get people with whatever. I, I'll use whatever I got to use. I'll put the medicine in peanut butter. I, I try to wrap the sermon up in peanut butter and just give it to them because it's good medicine and they need it. And they spit it out because they don't like the message. Amen. Because when you're telling somebody the message, sometimes the message is offensive. Sometimes the message just doesn't sit right with us. Amen. We may not like being told that there's something wrong in our lives that needs to be fixed. Because to be told that there's something wrong in our lives, we immediately interpret it that there's something wrong with me. And the problem is when you put it about you, you become defensive, and now you want to attack back. But this is not a war. Somebody's trying to help you. The message is trying to help you. It's on your side. Can I help somebody here today? We don't need any friendly fire when you recognize uh, your spouse is there for you on your side trying to make you a better person. They're not going after you. They're not gunning for you. When you look across the aisle, that brother who said something, they're not saying it because they're trying to offend you. They're trying to help you. When the pastor's preaching, they're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to help you. When somebody opens up the Bible, they're trying to help you. When somebody says you could do this better, they're not saying you're bad. What they're saying is you can be better. Oh, I came to preach to somebody. 
You can be better doesn't mean you're bad. You can be better means there's more. When somebody comes to your life with a message saying there's more for you, don't look down at what you have. Look forward to what you can have. Don't look down on where you're at. Look forward to where you can be at. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give the Lord a shout of praise. Sometimes we don't like the message. Some days we don't like the messenger. And sometimes we don't like the method. We don't like the remedy. You ever been there? I've been there before. I could like the messenger. I could even get with the message because they're telling me there's more in my life. But then they tell me what I have to do. You can lose weight. I like that. You can get in shape. like that too. In fact, I like you right now. That's great. But you got to go to the gym and eat better. Is there not a pill? Can't you just like... People wrap cellophane around themselves, and that makes them better, right? Pyramid scheme. Okay. Anyways, is there not an easier way? I, I just, I just want to keep eating the way I'm eating and living the way I'm living. And, and the, the challenge, it goes from the message and the messenger to the methodology. I don't like what I'm actually being told to do. I don't actually want to follow through on what is being told to me because I, I want to know if there's an easier way. Amen. Sometimes uh, uh, we think to ourselves, it's too simple. Listen, if I go and I preach something real complex, people are like, man, that's a great message. What did I preach? I have no idea. But I simplify it. And it's like, yeah, I've heard that before. But the truth is, I can tell people diet and exercise is what's going to make you thin, but they ain't doing it. Well, they know, but you ain't doing nothing about it. But you're just proving you don't like the methodology. And I can preach and teach the most simple things and tell them this is the answer. And they think in the back of their head, no, there's got to be a more complex way. There's no way that something that simple can fix this big of a problem. There's nothing, there's no way that something so simple can fix my marriage. There's no way that something so simple can make my walk with God better. There's no way that something so simple, but you read it from Genesis to Revelations. Uh, it is not God, is the God is not the author of confusion. Uh, amen. The Bible talks about the simplicity of Christ. Uh, his ways uh, are not that hard. Uh, his ways are quite simple, but too many people want the complex and the confusing uh, over the simple. It's about to rain, Noah. I want you to I want you to go and I want you to build this contraption uh, with electrical current and all these different. No, he said build a boat. Because a boat is what you need when water's coming. Hallelujah. When something sounds too simple, we want to make it complex. Because we think to ourselves, there's no way my, com what happens? Let me help somebody. I'm really trying to get through to somebody today. We make our problems so complex that when somebody comes by outside of our problem and they bring a simple solution, we think to ourselves, there's no way that can be the answer. Because we've made a maze out of something that didn't need to be a maze. We've made a calculus problem out of something that's just simple addition and subtraction. We've made something college level that's actually kindergarten level. And when somebody comes by and says, all you got to do is dip in the Jordan seven times and you'll come again clean. We think to ourselves, no way. I've got to travel. I've got to battle. I've got to kill a bunch of soldiers. i got to do a bunch of war. And God was saying, if you just did the little thing I was telling you to do, it would fix what God, it would fix whatever's going on in your life. So we get, we get a problem with the messenger, we get a problem with the message, and we get a problem with the methodology. What's the answer? Just do it. You got a problem with the messenger? Just do it. You got a problem with the message? Just do it. You don't like the methodology? Just do it and see what happens. Because when you tried everything you can try, and this is when I know when, when people are really ready for help, because I will give them advice that is what I feel in the spirit they need to do. I know they're ready when they show up and they say, all right, let's do it. 
I'm ready. Let's do it. Whatever it takes. I don't agree with it. I don't like it, but let's try it. I can tell when people are ready because they've tried everything else and recognize it hasn't worked. They've tried their way and it hasn't worked. They've tried other people's way and it didn't work. But you open up the word and start showing them God's way and they've got a decision to make. Do I just do what God's way is or do I keep trying to do it my way? And the answer is you just got to go out and do what God said to do. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. But you need good people in your life. The Bible says a servant, when he walked away angry, showed up to Naaman and said, Listen, buddy, you, 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 if he'd asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. In other words, the servant had to talk some sense into this man's nonsense. If it were big, you would do it. If it were grandiose, you would do it. I, I, I deal with people just like that. Hallelujah. I give somebody the simple answer, and they're like, and then what? Just that. Really, come to prayer on Tuesday. Well, not, not this Tuesday, sorry. Come pray on your own time. Just come to church on midweek services, and you'll learn about what you're going through and how to get over it. No, there's God. Come on, I need like five months of counseling. No, you don't. You need to come to church and come to the altar. And if you do that first, then we can talk about. If we do the basic things and the simple things first, if there's a more complex problem, amen, we've already taken care of all the groundwork. And we've already taken care of all the foundation. And when we get the foundation right, we can start building the house up better. Hey, if you got a house that's leaning to the side, you don't just check the walls. You go check the foundation. And the simple answer is often the right answer. you got to check your foundation. Have you been seeking God first? Have you been putting God first in your life? Or is God a secondary consequence of your Christian experience? The servant talked sense of his nonsense and listen, if it would have been grandiose, you'd have done it. If you'd have gotten credit or glory, you would have done it. If you would have gotten recognized, you would have done it. If I go by and pat people on the back every time they do something right, they do more of that, and I'm trying to get better at it. Problem is, is that when I stop patting them on the back, they stop doing what is right. They're not serving God, they're serving me, and I won't be God to you. I won't. I won't be God to you. Other people might be God to you, but I won't be God to you. Because you got to do this as if no one's watching, because the Lord is watching. And what you do in secret, the Lord will reward you openly. Because if you can learn to do it when God is standing at ovation and nobody else saw it, you're really winning the war. You're really winning the battle. The people that are only doing it when other people see it, they're not winning the battle. They're not winning the war. They're just winning their own ego and conscience. A little more credit. You just got to get up and do what God has told you to do. Whether anybody sees it, whether anybody appreciates it, you just get up and do what God has told you to do. And you know who's blessed when you do what God told you to do? You, I don't pray because you're going to give me a pat on the back. I don't prepare a sermon because you're going to clap when I preach it. I'm going to do that whether you're here or not because I made it up in my mind a long time ago. If God has called me to do it, I'm just going to do it. It might be simple to other people, but I'm going to take care of the simple and let God take care of the complex. I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the natural and let God take care of the supernatural. I'm going to do the possible and let God take care of the impossible. Somebody clap your hands and give God some praise. If you'd have got some credit, you would have done it. If you got a grandstand of people cheering you on, you'd do it. But when you get up at 5 in the morning, go to the gym, and nobody's there watching you, you're, you're the one that's really winning the battle. Hallelujah. When you get up to the prayer meeting and you go pray, amen, by yourself at your house or come down to the church and nobody sees you, you're the one that's really winning the battle because you're doing the things that God has called you to do when nobody else is watching. Amen. God wants obedience. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. God wants obedience. So many people have got it mixed up. They're like Saul, who he sacrifices a bunch of animals because he thought God wanted sacrifice. 
If I did some great thing, that would make God happy. And the prophet showed up and said, Has God great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices when compared to simply obeying his word? He said to listen, to hearken, to obey is better than sacrifice. It's better than the fatted rams. Amen. God is not interested in the grandiose and in the chaotic, but God is interested in the natural and in the simple. If we would get down and do the simple things God told us to do, he would look down from heaven, amen, and say, that child has obeyed me. That child has done what is right. But I know people, they want to do some grandiose things. Amen. That's like taking your wife on a date once a year. Some people, that's Valentine's Day. You ought to date your wife throughout the year. But I did one big thing for her. She should just get over it. I'm going to tell you, that guy does not have a happy marriage. He hadn't learned nothing. He ain't learned nothing, brother. Don't get a dozen rows. Get one rows a day for 12 days. He ain't learned nothing. Those point systems, they don't stack up. It's just one point every time you do something nice. You ain't learned nothing. And so you, you, you think, uh, if I could just do some great thing, that God is going to be pleased with me. If I do this great sacrifice. You know those people, they think if I go on a 40-day fast, I'll finally get through to God. You know, if you fasted one day a week for a year, that's 52 days of fasting. But that's too simple. Hallelujah. We don't think we're going to get God's attention when we just push away the plate for just two meals out of the day because we didn't go for a full 24 hours. But I want to help us here today. If we will just do the simple and obey God at what he's told us to do and just simply do what God has told us to do, God will be honored by it. God will be glorified in it. Naaman wanted to reason. He wanted to explain away everything that the man of God had told him. But the wisdom of the servant was just do it. Just do what you're told to do. And if you will do what you're told to do, the miracle will follow. Can I come preach to to somebody today that if you will just obey God at what he has told you to do in the most simple and in the most basic things that God has told you to do, miracles flow from obedience. Listen, we're saved when you repent of your sins and are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. But Peter encountered this, and he said it's not the washing away of the filth of the flesh. It is not taking a bath. It is not getting sudsy. It is not getting soap in your hair. He said what it is, it's obedience. When you get your conscience washed, when you are baptized in Jesus' name, you are obedient to the word of God. You are obedient to the name of Jesus. And when you're obedient to the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses away all sin. We just got to do it. You can't think about it and think about it and think about it. Listen, let me help somebody. I am a big believer and I have preached and taught it. You should ask really good questions. I am not afraid of people in the church asking me questions. Please do. In fact, the better questions you ask, the better pastor I become. That means I'm doing something right. Amen. I don't know where we got off on this idea that asking questions is wrong. It's not wrong. You should ask questions. But there does come a moment, and I get it. I've been there. Where it's time to stop asking questions and it's time to start acting. There's a time for reasoning. There's a time for understanding. But then there's a time for action. And you've got to eventually get to the place where I may not understand everything, but I'm just going to do what God has told me to do. And I've learned that often if you'll just do what God has told you to do, that he will often give you the revelation after the fact. I don't always know why I'm worshiping, but all of a sudden, as I started worshiping, I started feeling God. Nobody quoted the verse that, to me that said that he inhabits the praises of his people. I just saw other people worshiping, and I started worshiping too. And lo and behold, even though I was struggling, I started feeling God. I started feeling better. What happened? I got a revelation because I was obedient. I got a miracle because I was obedient. You don't have to understand everything in order to obey everything. Listen, you should ask good questions. You should get understanding. I hope I've clarified that. But really, there comes a moment where we've got to act on the Word of God and not just our opinion. We've got to act on what God has told us and not just our feelings because feelings change and they go forwards and backwards. We need to act on what we've heard and not just on what we understand because the true story is there's some things you'll never understand. I'll bless the Lord at all times. 
And you say, yeah, I'm going to do that until you go through all times. And then that verse don't make a whole lot of sense. Amen. But you get up in your mind and you say, I've already made the decision. I don't understand what I'm going through, but I bless the Lord at all times. I'm sick in my body, but I bless the Lord at all times. I don't know what's happening in my family, but I bless the Lord at all times. I don't know I don't know what's going on in my job, but I bless the Lord at all times. You don't understand, but God will give you a peace that passes all understanding. But it comes when you obey God. you got to get up and just do what God has told you to do. There's often times where we need to stop, step out in faith and just obey what God has told us to do. And then the revelation will follow. It's going to help us understand that. Noah did not need understanding on how rain worked in order to obey God in building a boat. Well, where's it coming from, God? The Bible says it fell from, from the heavens to the earth, and then the earth brought water up forth. He didn't understand how it was going to happen. And there's people, you're waiting on understanding every step of the journey before you take a single step. But the walk with God is this. I don't understand, but he said move forward. I don't understand. Abraham did not know where he was going, but he walked by faith. If you want to be like Abraham, you're going to have to just do it. You're going to have to just obey. When God says take a step, you take a step. Peter, you want to come out on this water? Come. Well, he didn't say, well, how's the water going to hold me? Are you going to freeze it? Are you going to, are you going to stop time? How's this going to work? Are you going to solidify? You're going to put some floating blocks under me? No, he just stepped out of the boat and said, I'm just going to do it. And that man walked on water. And if you will just do what God has told you to do, you'll walk by faith and you'll walk on water. Let's clap our hands and let's stand all across the building. Come on, let's lift up our voice and let's magnify the Lord. Come on, I want you to pray right now. Pray about what God, there's people, if you are even showing up to church for the first time, you are showing up because God has been dealing with you about something. God has been revealing something to you. God has been telling you that there's some things you need to do. Amen. But you've been reluctant to do it because you want all the information first. But this preacher's come to tell you, just do it. Come on, somebody pray in this house. Come on, let's pray in this house. Hallelujah. Come on, it's time for an action bias. It's time for an action bias. I'm not waiting to have a council. I'm not waiting for a 35-week treatise on why I just need to obey God. I'm just going to obey God and see what happens. I'm just going to obey God and see if I'm cleansed. I'm just going to obey God and see if I get delivered. Moses did not need to know this every step of God's plan. He just needed to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Peter did not need to know Jesus' fishing resume. When Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side, he just had to obey him. You and I don't need to understand every theological point of baptism in Jesus' name to obey the scripture to be baptized in Jesus' name. You just need to get in the water. You don't need to understand how the altar makes a difference in your life. You just need to come down to the altar. You don't need to know how, well, how's, how's church going to help me? You don't need to know all that. Just come to church and you'll see it help you. I don't know how worship's going to make a difference. I'm tired. But if you start worshiping God, all of a sudden you'll start feeling the benefits. I mean, you don't need to understand it. You just need to do it. A person on fire does not need to understand fire. Combustion, fuel, oxygen. No. You know what they need to do? We learned it in kindergarten. Thank you, man. Y'all preach good. Stop, drop, and roll. You don't need to understand it. You just need to do it. Well, God, I'd, I'd follow your plan if you gave me A to Z. And often God will give you A. He might even show you a glimpse of Z, where you're going. But you ain't getting to B. You're not getting to C. You're not getting to D. You're not getting to E. You're not getting to F until you take step A. Ooh. Some folks, they don't like that. That's too simple. They, well, I'm waiting for God to give me a word. Well, he gave you 66 books. I'm waiting for God to give me a word. Have you prayed? Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for this food, this uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> Praise God. I need a word from God. You know, I just looked at that, that since being here, I've preached over 300 times just in the last four, four, almost five years. I've given you 300 words. Amen. What have you done about it? Have you enacted? If you enact one of them, you get from A to B. 
And if you enact the next one, you get from B to C. It is line upon line, precept upon precept. You know what it is? That's why I call God's Legos. One upon another. God's blocks, his bricks, one upon another. You know how you get a new revelation? You enact the revelation he gave you. You know how you get another blessing? You enact the blessing that he gave you. You know how you get understanding? You walk in the understanding that you have. You know how you get more light? You walk in the light you have until he opens the gates. You just do it. Some people are like this. I love to obey when I love what I'm being told to obey. If I like it, in other words, when obedience aligns with my desires. Here's the challenge, though. God will often ask us for things that we don't want to do as a test of our obedience. I'm not talking about things that are extreme either. It's little things. Amen. God don't want all your money. He just says tenth. God didn't want all your time. He just says, man, pray. Seek my face. Pray without ceasing. He didn't want you. He didn't want all day, every day. He just says, man, make time. Come to the house of the Lord. Amen. Be there on Wednesday. Be there on Sunday. Amen. He didn't want all of your time. He just wants a little bit of your time. He just wants to spend. He went to spend time with Adam in the cool of the day. He didn't spend all day with Adam. He just wanted a little bit. But even Adam couldn't handle the simplicity. And God will often ask us to do the thing that he knows we will often be resistant to. This is where he spits in the mud and puts it in the guy's eyes. I don't like the way you're working, God. But if you'll go to the pool of Siloam, you will come back seeing. I don't like the way God's working in my life. But if you will let God work in your life, he will make a difference in your life. I'm bringing it home right here. Simple obedience is not extravagant. But it brings miracles every time. It is that simple obedience of of Peter throwing the net out that filled his boat and everybody else's. It is just that simple obedience of every day the children of Israel getting out and collecting little grains of manna so they could bake some manna bread Amen. That God said, I did this that I might prove them whether they would walk in my ways or not. In other words, he was saying, if you'll go out day by day and pick up and do the simple things and do the little things, if you will do that, I know I can trust you with the promised land, houses you did not build, farms that you did not plant, amen, cattle you did not raise. He's saying, but if I can't trust you in the simple and in the little to be obedient, I can't trust you with the land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. But God gives you little so he can give you much down the road, but you got to be faithful over little so he can bless you with much. Naaman said, I'll do something else to be healed. I'll do anything but that. Some folks right now, God has already spoken to you. I'm not preaching a new sermon today. I'm preaching, I'm preaching every sermon you've ever heard. Amen. I'm just giving you action behind it. Amen. You got a word from God this week, and God has been speaking to you. Amen. About calling up that person and telling them you're sorry, but you don't want to do it because you don't you want to save face. Uh, amen. But God is speaking to you, and you want God to give you a fresh word today. And God's saying, Go and do what I told you to do. Amen. There's some other folks that God has been dealing with you specifically about things you need to lay down at the altar and things you need to lay down in your life, but you're thinking, No, I don't really want to do that and God is testing your obedience and you don't understand what's going to come of it but if you will lay it down at this altar I promise you you will come away amen with a with flesh of a new baby you will come away clean you will come away healed you will come away delivered you will come away with a miracle in your life but you just got to do it let's lift up our hands let's pray come on all across this house I want you to pray about the things that God has been dealing with you about. Hey, listen, I'm going to pray this as a pastor. I've got things God deals with me about too. Not the extravagant. Not the grandiose. Not the thing that's going to get your picture on Instagram. Not the stuff that's going to get you well-known among your peers and among those that see you from a distance. Not among those that will get you notoriety. Uh, No, it's the things that only God will see. But God is saying, will you be obedient? Come on, let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah. Would you lift up your voice?
In fact, I want us to come down to this front. We're going to have a prayer meeting right now. Amen. We're not going to pray about some new word. Amen. We're going to pray about all the old words. We're going to pray about things that God has spoken to us about. Amen. God has already dealt with you about. God has already dealt with me about. Amen. God is working. It's not the extravagant. It's not the extreme. It's the simple. Come on, maybe God's been talking to you about your prayer life. And right now, you don't have a five-minute prayer life. But all God wants you to do is just start praying five minutes. And you're thinking, no, i got to pray for three hours, and then it will do something. No, you just need to obey God and pray five minutes and watch what the Lord will do. Maybe God's telling you it's time to open up your Bible and you maybe aren't joining the bread program to read a whole year and you don't feel like it's extravagant, but you can read one chapter a night. You can read one page a night. Come on, let's pray all across this building. Maybe God's talking about forgiving people, letting go of bitterness and anger, but you want to hold on to it. God's just testing your obedience, sir. God's just testing your obedience, ma'am, that if you'll let it go, the leprosy will go too. Maybe you're in this house. Amen. And you got a bunch of stuff in your life. I encourage you. I implore you. Obey the scriptures. Repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Turn from that stuff and say, Lord, deliver me. And then you need to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody pray. Maybe you don't like the medium. Maybe you didn't like the message. Maybe you didn't like the messenger. But God sent that to you. God sent that to you to cleanse you, to heal you. This is my surrender. Here is where I live down. Every lie. Come on. Just repent. Just forgive. Just pray. Just worship. Just seek God. Just come to church. Just come to prayer meeting. Just be a giver. Just pay your bills. Come on, just go to work on time. Come on, they're simple things, but they're miraculous things. This is my surrender. Here is where I
Faith to be 